Episode 4 Dice Hey, it's me, Cass. I'm back with another one. Oh, but first, yesterday, a new face showed up. His name's Andy. Poor kid walked through one of the doors leading to our main dining area. He turned around to go back, only to find himself in a broom closet. Worst day of his life. Something about him is... I mean... We're all a bit odd. But... When he walked in... I hate the ones that can get to you. I don't want anyone else in my head but me. Thank you very much. I'm going to see if I can get his story. He's the first new arrival we've had since I started recording for people on the inside, and... He'll... He'll have a fresh perspective on the whole mess. <laughs> okay, well, let's, uh, let's get right to it. Here's Scott Faulkner's account. Recording on January 30th, 2022. I never believed in destiny. I'm an atheist and don't consider myself to be particularly superstitious. The notion that, out of all the infinite possible actions a person could take, and all the millions of circumstantial situations they could be placed in, only one outcome, only one combination of the two is possible, it's outrageous. I suppose that only makes my story all the more ironic. I used to love going to my Aunt Judy and Uncle Austin's place. They don't have any kids of their own, and my only cousins are on my dad's side of the family, so I hung out at their place quite a bit. Secretly, I liked it that way. Judy and Austin were less like a second set of parents and more like my partners in crime, the predominantly responsible grown-up versions of my best mates. I say predominantly because, I swear, sometimes I had to be the one to pull the brakes and make sure things didn't get out of hand. I remember this one Christmas party where I saved the stew from being spiked with hot sauce. Austin, forever the caring older brother, likes to tease my mom about the fact that she can't handle spice. The last thing I wanted to do was to put her in a bad mood on Christmas Eve, particularly when she was in charge of the desserts. She makes a mean apple pie. Sorry, getting off track. I was at Judy and Austin's, standing on a chair, rummaging through a closet to find an old version of Risk that I knew was stacked somewhere up high among the multitude of dusty cardboard game boxes. My hands touched something soft, a small velvet box nestled between the games and cobwebs. I pulled it out along with Risk and stepped off the stool. The hinges holding the box closed were so rusted that the contents jumped out when I pried it open. I instinctively reached out to catch them, then promptly opened my hand again, letting the three silver dice clatter to the floor as I clutched my palm in pain. Aunt Judy came running into the room, summoned by my shouts. She pulled my hand gently towards her, tutting as she examined the red welts. I really hate burns. The way it continues to feel like my cells are dying under my skin even half an hour after the damage is done. These were no different, at least in terms of pain. As we watched, the red started to lace with deep blue. My aunt switched over to guardian mode, immediately applying cool water and calling my parents to come pick me up. 
The next morning, I woke up and there they were. Three silver dice glinting on my bedside table. I groaned and rolled over, not in the mood for whoever stupid joke this was. The burns on my palm had faded overnight. The blue coloring had sharpened and settled. A detailed tattoo of three dice revealed itself as I examined my still-sensitive hand. I groaned and let my arm flop back onto the duvet, then rolled out of bed as the comfortable warmth of sleep staled into a stifling sensation. I got dressed and headed down for breakfast, leaving the cubes on the table. My mom commented on my unusually early presence in the kitchen and offered some eggs. She chewed in silence, obviously trying hard not to stare at my hand. My parents had freaked out last night when I told them what had happened, but then adopted the wait-and-see-if-nothing-falls-off-it's-all-good approach. Since my hand was still attached to my arm and had all of its fingers, I figured I would be attending school as usual. My mom interrupted my train of thought by asking what I was holding. My palm felt cool, and I realized that I had the dice, the ones I know I left upstairs, clenched in my fist. I dropped them, watching them tumble onto the table and roll to a stop with deep thuds. The faces shifted, the dots elongating and intertwining into intricate shapes, then settling into tiny pictograms. They displayed a palm tree, a confetti popper, and a plastic bag, each impossibly detailed and sharp. I picked them up and turned them over. The sides felt marble smooth, the inked images a slight indentation under my fingertips, as though they had been carved into the cool metal. The modern mundane items depicted clashed with the elegant delicacy of the designs. The dice kept showing up. At school, Jake, one of my friends, asked for a pencil. I reached into my backpack and rummaged around to see if I had one, but instead my fingers closed around the by now familiar dice. I chucked them onto the desk. Ever seen anything like these? I asked him. What, dice? I mean, they look kind of fancy, I guess, but nothing special. Hope you didn't pay a lot for them. I shook my head. No, look at the faces. The dots had swirled and twisted into a book lying open, a songbird flying, and a mountain. Jake just stared at me for a moment. Um, yeah. Four, four, and six. He trailed off. I quickly stuffed them back into my bag. His eyes widened when he caught sight of my palm. What? Your parents let you get a tattoo? Let me see. Dude, what's with the dice all of a sudden? I mean, I guess there's nothing wrong with them, but people might think you gamble or something. I cut off the oncoming waterfall of words, said I'd explain everything to him later. Even if he did have a level 10 motor mouth, Jake could keep a secret better than anyone else I knew. If the guy didn't manage to get into med school, he could probably make his career in acting. His ability to feign completely believable ignorance had often enough made me choke on my juice. The dice reappeared throughout the day. During the break, I offered to buy my English project partner, Carrie, a drink from the vending machine. I reached into my wallet to grab some quarters and instead found myself trying to stick the cubes into the thin coin slot.
They hit the ground, their faces morphing into shears, something that looked like a tornado and a fish. I didn't really study them, instead quickly returning them to my pocket. I found myself playing with them absent-mindedly during my fifth period English lit class. Didn't even realize I was doing it until the teacher ordered me to cut it out. A few weeks later, when Jake told me his family was completely uprooting their lives to move across the country to Boulder, Colorado, nothing struck me as particularly supernatural. When I heard that Carrie almost drowned in a sailing accident, however, small chills ran down my spine. Her line had snapped when the boat flipped in an unexpected storm. I remembered the three metallic faces, how the sharp black lines had traced out shears, a fish, and a tornado. It took me a while to start connecting the dots, but once I did, my desire to get rid of the dice only increased. When I video called Jake for the first time, a beautiful mountain range greeted me before he flipped his camera around so that I could see his face. Killer view, huh? He asked. They had moved for his parents' work as professors at the University of Colorado Boulder. The two had always wanted to run a lab together. A bird in flight was a symbol of travel. A book meant knowledge or study, and a mountain, well, that spoke for itself. I still didn't quite believe that the dice were predicting the future until my mom won our family vacation as the millionth customer to go to the local mall. That first morning, I had rolled a shopping bag, a confetti popper, and a palm tree in front of her. Though we didn't see any palm trees on our free skiing trip, the symbols were fairly easy to connect to the event. I tried everything to get rid of the dice, locked them in a safe box, dumped them in a bin, even tried melting them in a forge. They always found their way back to me. They didn't melt, the garbage bag split, my mom suddenly needed to replace her safe box. Something always came up. I decided that if I was going to have to live with them, I might as well make use of them. It was that or deal with the constant anxiety following each accidental roll of the dice as I struggled to keep myself from worrying about what they could mean. When I sat down by myself one afternoon and rolled the dice, they stayed as they were, silver with black dots. I tried again, this time thinking about what would happen tomorrow. Same results. I tried again, this time thinking a single question. What am I supposed to do with these things? Nothing. Maybe something more specific would work. Will we win our game this weekend? I looked down at the result, then threw the dice out the window, not caring that I would probably find them back inside my shoe or something. It wasn't littering if the stupid things would literally clean themselves up. I tried again the next day. In the past, I'd always rolled them accidentally, and always when another person was around. I tossed the dice onto the table half-heartedly. A total of 17 dots stared back up at me. Fearing a repeat of yesterday, I chose a different tactic. I thought of my dad. Pictured him leaning over his drafting table to pick up a pencil, then tucking it behind his ear as he pushed his spectacles back up his nose. I rolled the dice. The faces rippled and swirled. A spatter, a match, 
and three trees in a row. I didn't know what they meant, but at least I'd gotten a result. I scooped the dice back up and put them in my pocket. My dad was late home from work a couple days later and wouldn't answer his phone. Normally, I would have assumed that he'd simply lost track of time and let his phone battery die. I reached into my pocket and found the familiar cool metal cubes waiting for me. While systematically trying to avoid the dice over the past few weeks, I'd noticed a pattern. One image for what, one for why, and one for where. Always in that order. So, now. What? A spatter. The only thing that came to mind was the goo I'd made in middle school science class. Not helpful. Why? A match. Perhaps fire or an explosion. Where? A row of trees. This one was easy. There were trees lining the quieter section of road that split off from the main street of our little town, about a mile from our house. I asked my mom to come with me and grab the car keys. She protested at first, saying that Dad would be home in a bit and that it would push dinner even later if we went out and missed him, but gave in when she saw how worried I was. Tense silence filled the car as we rolled toward the main street. I flexed my hands one at a time, trying to relax my death grip on the steering wheel. I'm sure everything's fine. He's been late before, my mom tried. I slowed as we neared the row of trees, eyes scanning the ditches on either side of the road. Maybe I'd been too paranoid. Maybe nothing would turn up. It was empty so far. Just trees and grass as the narrow road curved around. It was all so ridiculous, anyway. The dice could be indicating something else. Who would actually be crazy enough to believe that dice could predict? A flash of metal caught my headlights. I pulled to the side turned on my blinkers, and jumped out of the car. My mom was already calling 911 by the time I reached my dad's black Toyota. I wrenched the door open and my dad groaned in response, turning to look at me. He was out of it, but didn't seem to have any obvious major injuries. David! David, are you okay? My mom appeared at his side. Yes, he's conscious. What should we do? She said into the phone as I started working on the buckle. Since he's not in imminent danger, they say not to move him in case... in case he has a spinal injury. She took a shaky breath and stroked my dad's cheek. Just hang in there. They'll be here in a couple minutes. My dad groaned again. Animal. On the road, I swerved. My mom hushed him, telling him it was okay. Through the panic, my mind was replaying the role of the dice. I hadn't created this, had I? It was a prediction, I told myself. A prediction. The trees, that made sense. The rest of it, though, the match and the spatter, like something that had hit a surface at high speeds. A fire, an explosion. I reached for the buckle again. We have to move him. Just wait a moment. A fire. There's going to be a fire. As I said it, the smell of something chemical, something foul, something that wasn't meant to burn burning hit my nose. I redoubled my efforts on the buckle, sweaty fingers slipping off the button. 
A thousand images and what-ifs and could-bes flashed through my mind. At the same time, my thoughts were slowing and stopping. My mind was going blank. My mom dropped her phone and grabbed my dad's shirt, dragging him from the car as the seatbelt finally released him. Together, the three of us stumbled away from the car as the fire caught, spread, and then exploded into a blockbuster-worthy fireball. The ambulance arrived a few minutes later. My aunt and uncle met us at the hospital while my dad underwent a couple of examinations. The whole world refocused when they said he would be fine. He had a nasty concussion and some minor abrasions, but nothing that would keep him in the hospital long term. Saving my dad meant that I could change things. I could change things. The dice are the future if I do nothing. Sometimes I can't figure them out and only realize what they mean after the fact. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. I can roll them for other people, but I have to hold them tightly in my mind. Not just their image, but their personality. The impression they leave me with. I've rolled for people here, on the inside. But it's hard to decipher. A lot of doors. (laughs) Some birds. It gives me hope, though. The people who disappear don't die. They just go somewhere else. They have a future. I think. I don't know. Maybe it's just wishful thinking. I managed to roll the dice for myself once, but all that came up were three pictograms of a cocked die. Three dice. That's my future. That's my fate. My what, why, and where are these dice? There you have it. End of Scott's account. Seems frustrating. Being followed around by something you don't want is also a kind of prison. It's probably a good sign that the dice work on people here. Unless they're predicting events that only take place on the inside, it truly would indicate that people are escaping. (laughs) Wish they'd share the secret. I guess that once they get out, they can't come back. Or they can't find their way back. They wouldn't leave us here. No one would leave someone else here and not come back for them. Scott rolled them for me once. I got a teardrop, a fracture pattern, and a square, though it looked like 525 to me. Scott said that the square pops up a lot here. It corresponds to the inside. The teardrop shape indicates something water-related, anything from a tsunami to a nice hot shower. Or lots of crying. Though I think that part was a joke. The fracture pattern means that the event will happen because something breaks. Like a pipe. Or my heart. Ha. Guess I'll try not to drown anytime soon. Well, until next time, I suppose. This episode was written and performed by Annika Leverum and edited by Elizabeth Froom. 
the inside is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. For more information or to get in touch, visit okramoments.com projects.